It's business time. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mike, and this is Business Time, sponsored by RL Technologies. Across from me, we've got Ralph Lawrence, and my name is Mike Fisher, and we will be talking to you on this podcast about a number of issues, all of which primarily deal with merchant services, POS programs, etc., for the restaurant industry. Ralph, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listening audience? Welcome, folks. Thank you for joining us today. And this is actually our, our very first installment of business business time. It is. Uh, we're happy to be here. Happy to have you with us. Well, I look forward to to the to the future here. Um, anywho, uh, RL Technologies. That's uh, that's who we are. Uh, I'm the owner. Mike is my uh, my right hand man over here. Uh, we uh, we're going to be talking to you a little bit today about uh, the the future of business time. And everything that it, it's going to include. So, uh, Ralph, you've got over 20 years inside of the industry, uh, restaurant industry, and also dealing with POS systems, payment processing, and, and all of the merchant services. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm uh, Ralph Lawrence here, folks, uh, owner of RL Technologies. Uh, we're coming up on our fifth year. Happy to be here. We're, uh, we're based out of Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we have the uh, the lovely opportunity to to be able to bounce between uh, you know Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Louisiana. Um, we're uh, you know in this uh, beautiful area with all this wonderful food and these uh, these great nightclubs. Um, but uh, yes, I uh, I spent a lot of time in the restaurant industry. Uh, been in it since I was nine. Um, grew up in the grocery store industry, um, but. Uh, I bounced around from uh, the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, San Diego. Spent a lot of time uh, over there managing bars and uh, some actually some retail locations. Um, and then I wound up in Denver, Colorado, where I did a the the majority of my you know my heavy work. Uh, I general managed uh, a few uh, local um, you know chains, and then uh, actually helped put together a, a a franchise out of Colorado. What was its name? Stoney's Bar and Grill. Ah, fan of Stoney's. The OG location off of Eleventh uh, and Lincoln. There uh, you have it. And actually, that was a, uh, Lincoln was the street I got hit by a car on. Uh, we'll cover that in another another section. <laughs> another time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, Denver was great uh, in terms of the uh, the growth that I had um, in the industry. Uh, I really got to to kind of act as the owner. I've done everything but own a restaurant. Um, so that uh, gives us a lot of insight and, uh, you know, the, a good opportunity to, to help people. Now, when you started off when you were nine, you're working with, what, a cash register, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 so point-of-sale systems were not new uh, back in the 90s, but um, they were still not, uh, you know, considered, you know, the – the forefront or the, the backbone that they are today. They didn't do any reporting. It was literally just, you know, with the, ex- with the exception of the receipts that it kept, um, it was literally just for, you know, like a glorified uh, calculator. Right, that right, added exactly. Tax and, you know, was able to, to lock up your cash for a few minutes. <laughs> Give um, me your money. Here's your money back. The one that I ever worked with was a Casio CE2300. That was and, a glorified uh, calculator. That <laughs> was actually coming to the to, in, to the end of its life. Uh, it was a pot used. I'll never forget it because I had to help my dad program it. 
you know, here I am, nine years old, trying to figure this thing out. All of the best restaurants had used technology. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Nothing was bought that's new. That's great. And CC's was, you know, this was back before payment processing was as you know as prominent as it is today. So right. franchises really didn't require you to uh, to to track anything but your sales, and you paid them, you know, a percentage of your sales. And you know, now some, you know. The, the luxury of owning a franchise is that you get to ha- you know require them to use certain technologies and payment processing, usually that they're getting a kickback from. Um, but anywho, I moved from the CE2300 to the Casio TE2500 before uh, uh, actually moving into um, the uh, uh, the wholesale section uh, side of, of the industry. Um, and then when I came back to it, that's when uh, Aloha became... You know, Aloha and Micros were really the industry standard there for a long time. At the time, right. Yeah. But in Denver, you were working with uh, Toast, correct? Toast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Toast, uh, I, I burned it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No butter. Um, no, I, I got a really good opportunity with Toast. Uh, the, my my reseller that I, that I worked with, with the, uh, the local franchise, um, was really, he became a good friend of mine. He kind of gave me some really good you know, insight in the industry. And after I was hit by a car, like I said before, um, he, uh, he was part of the reason that I got into the industry. That we're in back today. into it. Yeah. And Toast back then, I mean, it's in its fledgling state. It's not in the series as yeah, it is actually, now, obviously. You know, and I don't think they'd ever admit it, but, uh, you know, Stoney's Bar and Grill was, and it still might be, uh, one of the largest bars in the Midwest. And it's a lot like uh, what's, you know, Seville Quarter down here, which is our largest uh, c- customer. And it's also one of the uh, top 100 bars in the nation. Right. Um, but uh, Toast was still in its, you know, fairly you know, fragile state of being new and trying to, to grow themselves. And uh, we were the first uh, high-volume merchant at bar that they had. So they really, you know, they made a lot of changes uh, while I was with them. Um, based on on our operation, so you could almost consider it a beta. This was a test bed almost. Toast only works as well as it does because of me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so you're the dial on toast. Is the way it was getting... I, you know, like I said, I don't think they'd ever, they'd ever admit it. But you know, I uh, it, it, it was it was fun to work with. You know, on on the user side because I was you know I could call them and you know they didn't take everything into account. Um, but it was it was nice to see you know a couple years after you know towards the end of my tenure there uh, how how well it did start to work you know it still had its you know issues just like with every point of sale system right but, right um, you know it's uh, it it quickly fell out of you know being one of my favorite systems because of just what the company became just in relation to its size technical support some of the other issues that we're dealing with yeah and that's what you'll deal with with all these uh, larger companies that will you know will refer to as monsters right uh, these monsters by a point of sale system got like really good technologies because of how good they are and then they they run them into the ground you know the support goes to you know what and uh, it just falls out of product development and um, just like you know uh, Aloha and you know some of these older companies have um, and then they they force you in these payment processing contracts, and that's that's all they focus on: sales, getting you into, into a contract, and then you know that's that's it. And from what I'm uh, what I've seen is that a lot of the purchases that you're speaking of are actually made by the payment processing companies. They're the ones that are purchasing a lot of the POS systems yeah. and yeah. either utilizing them, renaming them, or shelving them in some instances. Yeah, we actually. What's funny is that like in the past few months, we've seen. Uh, a company gets shelved, 
and then quietly, you know, get unshelved. Right. (laughs) Bring it back out. Yeah, the company that shall remain nameless. Uh, we'll call them Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, um, they uh, they bought uh, what maybe like three or four companies in the past like year or two. Um, they were really pushing their product very hard. Uh, everything that they had bought, they'd kind of moved out of development, picked apart what they wanted, and they've been slowly you know piecing it into their to their software. Um, and they think they, you know, they got you know they kind of got ahead of themselves, and then they they've come out and they've actually unshelved a few of these products. Which is probably a product of the fact that as you're moving quickly ahead like that, you lose sight of some of the core elements of what your system should really be for these merchants. Yeah, and like that's just a prime example of these companies just making changes and then, you know, saying like, ooh, okay, hang on, we, we kind of screwed up. That's not always – they don't always come out and say like, oh, okay, you know, we – you know, we're gonna we're gonna go back to the way this was, like with Toast. You know, they in, implemented the ninety nine cent fee for the Recently, online orders yeah. over ten dollars or whatever it was, and they got such a bad you know uh, rap about it that they you know they they kind of just wiped it away. Now you've mentioned that there's a realistic possibility we're going to see a variant of that program later on after it's had some of its bugs worked out and they've they've said okay this is where we can make a profit but it can't be with this dollar mountain in this manner as well you slide it in for you know 25 cents instead of 99 cents right yeah that doesn't doesn't sound as bad it's like okay what's a quarter you know so you head back out out of denver you come back down to the south and then you're associated with more fine dining establishments yeah no actually uh, i i i you know decided that I was going to pursue the payment processing route and, you know, getting started, you know, you have a tough time and you're trying to build these relationships. And I spent so many years away from Pensacola that I, you know, I fell out of contact with a lot of my right. you know, Network. uh, networking group that I, that I had when I left. Uh, so I had to, I literally, I've waited tables for the past four and a half years up until, you know, the beginning of this year uh, when we finally got to the point where it was like, okay, you know, I no longer, have to do this, but it gave me the opportunity to, to work hand-in-hand with owners uh, after installing a system because both of those people became my clients, and uh, that just uh, kind of gives us the upper hand because we've worked with the system not just in terms of installing it and, and maintaining it, but from a user side. You know, right. I've been in front of a, you know, most of my systems as, a, as an employee you know, when they've crashed. And you know, so that's a that's not something that most resellers can say. Like, okay, you know, I've, I've had a pin and pad and a, an apron and on, you know, with with you know, thirty people in my section when I'm trying to fix uh, a kitchen printer routing issue. Right. Yeah. You know, hand me, hand, show me, show me ten people in the industry that have done that. From the sales standpoint, and they're just not there. It's one of the problems we're seeing with the, as you refer to it, the monsters, the juggernauts. You're talking to people that are going to be associated with sales. You will never see another boot on the ground from that company, even in tech support. It's going to yeah. be a support line and you waiting on the phone for two hours. We were just talking to a company yesterday that uh, their man- he, this, the, the owner of the company was upset because the ma- manager of this particular location had to sit on tech support with Toast for two and a half hours right. to, to resolve an issue. Now, I don't know if it ever actually got resolved because uh, you know, from my own experience, you hit, to, you hit a point. Where you're like, okay, this isn't going to get fixed. We're just going to figure out how to how to finish the night out. Right, and mitigate it we'll, just temporarily and yeah. work around it. And then we'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow's <laughs> a new day to ruin. Uh, so, but anyway, I want to I want to hear a little bit about Mike here. Mike Fisher is a good friend of mine. We've uh, we actually met at Seville Quarter, uh, which is one of our 
uh, you know, our one of our biggest clients here downtown in downtown Pensacola. But anywho, we're going to hear from him. Well, I started out in the IT industry down in San Diego, California. I uh, had an opportunity to uh, work with a uh, Department of Defense contractor up at Fort Wainwright in Alaska, uh, actually working on CH-47 Chinook simulator. So uh, then a friend of mine up there had a, an IT company and, and invited me to work for, for him. And then after a while... We had so many clients that were medically oriented that we said, hey, one of the things that we need to take a closer look at was HIPAA compliance. And that led actually to PCI DSS compliance. And at that point in time, we're talking about 2015, 2016. Nobody had any idea of what was going on. NIST had issued a white paper. And in its fledgling state, the white paper for PCI DSS was a, a hollow shell of everything that they had done for HIPAA at the time. And so we began to concentrate on a, you know, a section of the company that all it did was you know, handle the HIPAA compliance, whether you're talking about documentation or the correct deployment of technologies. And that was my section of the company. As the CTO, actually, of that company was dealing with the HIPAA compliance. So uh, moved down here uh, to uh, be closer to the parents and to get away from the sub-50 and 60-degree winters that begin to gnaw on you after, you know, seven, eight years. And uh, now it's 115 degrees every summer, so we'll try and find some happy modicum there. But uh, one extreme to the next. That's right. And uh, as Ralph said, I met him down here, and we actually started a uh, a uh, cyber compliance company, uh, Fisher Cyber Consultants, and all we did was HIPAA. Yeah, yeah, I can't take any credit for that. That was all my <laughs> I, uh, you know, I got the the opportunity. It was a really cool opportunity to work. With someone who had so much knowledge on that side of the, you know, the the medical side of PCI compliance, right? Um, and and but with that understanding, as as you were going into that, and you were seeing that, its application to the PCI DSS compliance issue, which trust us, we'll get into this at a later date, oh, you yes. know, uh, <laughs> because that's a deep dive. What some of the things that we have found over the last calendar year, involving PCI DSS, because one of the things that I I did up in Alaska was I actually became an SME for regulatory cyber consulting. So if you had a federal regulation and you had to, you know, meet it or had to at least understand it as it applied to your network environment, I was the guy that you got in contact with. And in their fledgling states, it was like, okay, yeah, we can look at these things and we know what to do. We know how to do it. But there weren't a lot of companies that were just providing auditing services. And it's something that we're going to talk about again at a later date. But uh, after we uh, continued with that, we helped a lot of, a lot of uh, physicians out, especially down in the Miami and, and Hollywood, Florida area. Got really good at uh, dealing with ransomware. Yeah, ransomware, which is one of the primary things we do, breach notifications, etc. cetera. Um, mitigated a $3.2 million fine that one doctor had incurred uh, in a uh, definitive hold my beer situation. <laughs> shirts are coming. Too. Yeah, shirts, shirts will be made for this. <laughs> so, but um, then COVID hit and the DHHS had to deal with remote physician applications in relation to, you know, setting up appointments and also conducting those appointments remotely. And although the only 
changed quite literally one single line of regulatory aspect. Every physician in the known universe, and this is doctors all over the world because they hate HIPAA and they hate everything to do with it and they don't want to comply with it. And for them, it is like car insurance. And so many, if it is car insurance, just about every physician out there, I'd say a good 75% of them here in the continental United States are not driving around with car insurance, i.e. HIPAA. They just don't think they need it. And then they get hit with something, and between the fines, and usually the, the worst thing is the cost of rebuilding an entire network, mm-hmm. they lose their clients, and then they close. Well, so. they weren't properly you know, built beforehand, so then they lose everything, and that's when it becomes really costly you yeah. know, from the, you know, for everything they lost. So we uh, so Fisher uh, Cyber Consultants closed its door for a time. It's it's still a viable company, but then uh, Ralph got back in touch with me, and I became the CTO of RL Technologies. You know, as he was uh, dealing with with enough customers and enough administrative nightmare, and starting to scale up in his network and technological needs, so that you know we he definitely needed somebody in here with that kind of experience. And I, the bald one, as I've become to known in this industry here, uh, came to be part of our all technologies. So, which has been a fantastic experience. I love the customer base down here. And I love uh, the, the Southern character is, you know, living large down here in the panhandle. And I love it. Well, and he's eating good too. We had, we had uh, pistolets <laughs> yesterday. Well, you had a pistolet. I had a sub. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what a pistolet was. I was like, is that, that's like, yeah, that's like a pita bread, right? <laughs> you were like, we're, no. We're culturing him. Yes, d- definitively. <laughs> ate at a wonderful restaurant there off of uh, Dauphine Street in Mobile, Alabama called Debris. Yeah, so, yeah, hopefully uh, they'll become one of our customers one of these days. Yes, but right now we can say good food, good time. Great food. So, um, Sweet spot. Yeah, definitely. But moving on in relation to what we are going to do with this podcast, the business time is really going to be oriented around helping to facilitate answers to questions that, you know, the restaurant management and ownership, you know, audience has out there. And we're going to do it a couple different ways. One of the first things that we want to do is we want to bring in weekly uh, SMEs. These are matter experts. And we're not trying to derive these experts from the academic field or from advertising or from something where they don't have any skin in the game. The best people to talk to, you know, and you've shown me this, especially in the restaurant industry, are those individuals that do have skin in the game. They're managers, they're owners, bartenders, servers. And with all of the complications that the restaurant industry has suffered all the way through COVID, now we're dealing with shortages and the cost of inflation and the penny pinching that's going on in the industry. Payment processing and POS systems are becoming a massive influence on what these people are doing. So talk to me about some of the SMEs that we'd like to bring in here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, we're going to touch on everything and things that you probably wouldn't think that would be connected to the payment processing or the restaurant industry. Uh, we've got friends in the banking industry down here who are also, you know, we've got friends in, on the legal side of things. We've got friends on the, you know, the wholesale side of things. And we've got, we're going to bring in owners of restaurants, some of the largest restaurants in the Southeast, uh, to people that just own, you know, uh, counter service restaurants with one point of sale system and you know, a handful of employees. Uh, you know, we've got friends that are in the payment processing industry that would love to talk to us or talk talk to you and our viewers um, about things that, you know, we think that you should know as, as business owners who, who are currently operating restaurants or who are, you know, in, hopefully 
in the future going to operate a restaurant. Right. Uh, and not just restaurants either. We, you know, we, we like restaurants. It's my, you know, my background. It's, it's what I, it's what I like to deal with. It's, it's fun. It's different. Every restaurant is, it's got its own complications. Um, but we, we've also, we've got, you know, grocery store retail technologies We're you know, we're selling, you know, we're a reseller of a company called Cass Scales, you know, so we're, we're kind of all over the board. We're even, you know, in the, in the advertising uh, spectrum of things. And, uh, right. and we also do uh, ATM placement and management, as well. which really helps out, especially in you know this argument now today in the in the payment processing industry, whether you're you know you're trying to move back to a cash base. Some say that it's not feasible. Some say that cash is going away, and yet the credit card industry, for all of the terrible things that it's doing, is actually offering systems where moving back to cash might be rewarded. Well, no, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's. It's an advantage that uh, you know business ha- owners have uh, is to to push the credit card fees to the customer. Um, and it's something that we call the, the non-cash adjustment, or that was known as the the uh, cash discount. Yeah, that's program. a new piece of nomenclature, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Next week, it's going to have two more hyphens <laughs> and at least five more syllables. Right, and that's that's one thing that we do to for business owners as we you know we keep our eye on Visa, Mastercard, Discover. American Express and all the changes that they make in terms of requirements uh, for business owners. And we should say as much as we can. We have people that are experts within the confines of the payment processing and banking industry. And we've learned quite recently uh, in talking to one of them that the banking industry won't even release this information in relation to the changes that are made by MasterCard and Visa and Discovery because the explanations for them are ridiculously long and then they don't last. You know, they'll make a small change to it and they'll resubmit the document that's 1,500 pages. So they won't even notify their customers unless asked. I like to refer to it as the gray area. Yeah, the gray area, Um, for sure. Because it is that, you know, the payment processing, you know, uh, industry is is basically self-regulated and self-governing. And the banking industry and the payment processing industry don't play well together. No, they don't. They're constantly doing things to, to kind of combat each other. And it makes it really frustrating for business owners. Uh, Especially be, ISOs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but even you know merchants who are looking to to move to another payment processing company or system, that you know that just that's just one of the added uh, headaches, pitfalls they have to you know hurdle. So outside of SMEs, one of the other areas that we want to look at. Uh, in particular, is restaurant technologies. And so from the myriad of technologies that a restaurant owner, manager, shift manager, even employee has to deal with, what are we going to talk about with these? Uh, We're going to mostly talk about point-of-sale system technologies or anything that's integrated into the point-of-sale, whether it be printers, automation, robotics, uh, kitchen display systems, readers, network architecture, uh, the, the tablet craze that has become... Um, I mean, you, you name it, we're, we're going to talk about it. Outstanding. How many of the POS systems that you see advertised today would you say that you've worked with? Oh, shoot. Um, just from a user standpoint, yes. I've probably worked with at least 18 or 20 different systems. Broad uh, spectrum of things that are available out there to the, to uh, the merchants, but not a magical answer, any one of them. No, no, it's given me a, a good op- a good opportunity to, to see what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, things that we need to look for as an ISO uh, to attach ourselves to to whatever companies that we felt had had the best have the best product at the time. 
and that and that changes. Like I said, you know, some of these companies get bought up and and shelved, and their product goes out of development. Right. The only thing that seems to be a constant is Epson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether it be their thermal printers, their their yeah. TU one hundred twenty twos. Shout out to Epson. Oh uh, yeah, you know, for uh, sure. Printers are the bane of my existence, but. Uh, Epson, you know, I have, I have nothing but good things to say about that. Well, and what we should say is it's not the printer itself. It's the connectivity yeah, issues that usually, we deal with. Yeah, it's usually the system or the network. It's usually not the, you know, or, or user, i.e. me. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not as if the printers are coming to us, yeah, inoperable. But, you know, we find we find so many instances. It's one of the reasons was why I was brought on board is that, as much as you may have a, a manager, general manager, owner that is very familiar with the point of sale system and what it does, once you reach back, you know the terminal is what uh, is what is on what we refer to uh, as the client side. But the second you run back to the server side, they it's just not in their wheelhouse. You know, doing IT for over you know over a decade. I worked primarily with doctors and attorneys, and God love them, as educated as they were, I literally had some of the best attorneys in the world at what they did who didn't know where the power button was on the computer. Right, and even business owners who usually aren't as well educated um, are ex you know, experiencing the same issues when it comes to uh, network architecture and you know, the, the ins and outs of the, the point-of-sale system. Right, and it's it's another thing that we're going to also bring SMEs on. Are in those are those will be the shows that mainly mainly if you have a technical question, you might want to highlight, so that you know if there are questions that you have within the confines of your network architecture, whether you're dealing with just a quarterback terminal or whether you're actually large enough. Uh, one of the the, the businesses one of the businesses that we have down here in Pensacola is thirty terminals, and it's a server based system, which you don't usually see. It's a custom server. Yeah. system and it's uh, it, you know we're actually part of the, the development of that server yep uh, and so we're, we're kind of proud of that but but uh, so some of the other aspects that we're going to take a look at are independent readers and readers that are integrated with systems correct yeah all of them and even outside of that if we're talking you know web based platforms like uh, authorized.net uh, for our, uh, our retail customers that have just uh, uh, online stores. And all of the interesting aspects of integrating them with something like a payment processing company. <laughs> yes, that has its own set of hurdles and, and issues. Well, so let's take a look at that, payment processing. Let's break it down for our listeners today. Go through real quick for me and tell me, okay, I'm, uh, I'm a first-time restaurant owner. I've worked as a manager. I've worked as a general manager. I know who to lay my hand to in relation to building the establishment, but maybe from an owner slash general manager standpoint, I don't want to make a huge mistake. Why don't you explain to them why it's such an important decision for the POS slash payment processing side and, and then kind of hone in on the payment processing for us? Well, after you've decided what kind of restaurant you want to become, the, the type of food you want to serve, um, and location, mm -hmm. you should be talking to a point of sale system provider. And how often does that happen? Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always say that, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, like push our services or any ISO services out there, but it's one of those things that the business owner, once we start talking to him, after the, 
you know, the paint has dried and the, the drywall has been hung, um, then, you know, it's, it's like, oh, shoot, I wish I talked to you guys six months ago. Yeah, because we, still... we need to put our payment processing right. system or our, our point of sale system over here and there's no drop. Right. And, you know, we actually were talking to a company out in, uh, in Alberta, Alabama. One of, it's a situation just like that. And they actually, you know, made the effort to contact us uh, beforehand. And, you know, they haven't put up the drywall. And uh, we've actually brought in a, uh, a local chef uh, to, to look at the, the layout of the kitchen and talk to the owner about the type of food that they want to serve. And uh, we're finding out that, you know, but we've actually saved them quite a bit of money at Headache because the, the lo- what they were looking at in terms of kitchen space was just too small to facilitate what they were looking at. Right, and they didn't know what they were looking at for their drops and for the for the degree of Ethernet, you know, internet right. connectivity that yeah. they were going to require. And even, you know, if you're talking about tablets, you know, tablets are great, but, you know, tablets still have to, to talk to the kitchen and the bar, and in right. order for that to work properly, if you don't want to be running cables outside of drywall or having them run on the ground or you know on across the roof across the right. roof or <laughs> through a conduit that you have to put well, on the outside we're gonna of the throw wall. a magical term out there mesh network yes you know, learn it live it know it doesn't matter whether it's ubiquity or whatever you choose to use you're exactly right and you see the layout you know you know you'll talk to people and if it's a a large structure they don't understand that the range of these nodes isn't what you might imagine it to be because you're dealing with data transfer. It has to be strong. There's a place on Pensacola Beach, shout out to Lagunas and my, my buddy Rob. Um, they've got toast, and uh, it, they they can't use the tablets, which they have 12 of, um, because the, the the lack of the, the network infrastructure that they have. Pensacola Beach is, uh, you know, it's it's on the beach, uh, so it's it's a very harsh environment. All open air. And yes, so that, you know that that you know has its own set of issues right there with it. But um, you know, if I if that was my system and I was you know that toast reseller, I'd be doing everything I could to to get those things you know fixed and running properly. So if that, if that means we have to to work hand in hand with the the network. Networking management, which we often do, which we've done quite a few, you know, quite a few times. Um, That's that's what we do. So you've decided what kind of business you want to run, what kind of restaurant you want to be. We've talked ambiance, we've talked environment, we've talked menu now, and you're looking at the point of sale system. You were you know, educated enough to understand that you're going to have to bring that ISO in before everything was finished. When you're looking at the payment processing side of it, what are you looking for in relation to trying to avoid a pitfall? Because payment processing, I've noticed, is something that the second that those percentages start coming across the board, everybody's eyes go tilt and they stop processing information. Well, and that's one thing that you want to make sure that, you know, this isn't something that people usually find out about until after the fact when they do start looking at new companies. Uh, they might like the software, but they don't like the payment processing fees. They talk to their, cust- their, uh, their service provider and they just can't get those fees any lower. Well, I mean, at that point, when you become an established business, you can leverage... That, you know what you what you do in monthly volume to get you a better price. The problem is there's n- not every point of sale system is payment agnostic, so it's right. not really just as you know as easy as you know buying a bunch of new card readers and integrating those into your point of sale system and not changing any any daily operation except for how those credit cards you know are actually physically run. Um, you know you you're actually looking at 
having to, to spend another 15, 20, 25, you know, $50,000 on a brand new system just because you want to save, you know, 10, you know, a few thousand dollars a month on your payment processing. And the way you've explained it to me, especially with the quote unquote monster companies out there is that you're getting locked into contracts. You like the software. A lot of times that's what's really selling you. You're, you love the software. And then they're like, okay, we're not payment agnostic. You have to use this payment processing company. And they're the ones that are going to lock you into a contract for anywhere from three to five years. And to get out of that contract, there is sometimes, you know, we've seen $3,500. We've also seen $3 million to buy out from that processing yeah. contract. And you, you sign this three-year contract. And then uh, to get out of it, you actually, if you don't give proper notice, i.e., you know, 30 days before the end of that three-year contract, if, it's, if it even goes over a day, then you're put into an, an entire year. For, it's just like, like an automatic it's rollover, an automatic right? rollover, yeah. And then you've got to wait, uh, you know, another 11 months before you change it or you have to buy out. Sometimes I think the average buyout is about 600 bucks, but I've seen it go as high as $3.5 million. Right, and, and woe be to that contract originator. There's there's a special place in hell for those people. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you. Yes, there it is. So, okay, so you've, you've picked up the payment processing. You've picked up the POS system. It's working well. What should you look at for a company? You're like, okay, this is my first time. What should I expect from, the, from my technical support, both for the payment processing and the POS system? That's That's... One of the hardest things to actually find, usually uh, you, as a business owner, you're only going to get good feedback from other business owners. True. And that's good and bad because usually business, you know, you're talking to another restaurant owner who has a completely different type of concept that you have. So he's talking about his point-of-sale system company that he loves because it works so well for him. You go out, you buy it, and it winds up being you know, wrong for your concept. Right. And then you know, that's, that's why I say... You know, it's 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 tough yeah, for business owners. You know, they usually they usually wind up getting worked over the the you know the first few years that you become a business. Right, because you've told me you're now you're glommed into it. Yeah, you, you can't get away from it right away. Yeah, and then you, so for the first three years, you know, you're you're miserable, and then then you have such a bad taste in your mouth about uh, you know independent sales operators like myself and Mike, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I started RL Technologies is because I, I realized there was a niche need for the boots on the ground aspect. Big of, time. You know, and, and the, the technical support side, too. You, you go with a bigger company, you're going with a salesperson. You'll never see a, a tech support individual. Yeah. Never. No, absolutely not. Not unless you pay big money to have them come down and do the installation. Right. And can, swap something out later on. Like, And not a terminal. They won't do that. They'll just ship those to you. It'd have to be your entire server base. Right. Then I've gotten phone up. calls at 2 o'clock in the morning and had to go 45 minutes to another town to install a card reader. Or to you know to load an ATM, you know that's those are things that we we do as an ISO because we've been there as you know uh, managers and you know and employees who had to deal with you know the, all the negatives of of the, that side of the company just due to lack of support, right? Which is part of why we became RL Technologies. So and that leads into the second part, which okay, you're not necessarily a, a first timer, but let's say you're a restaurant slash bar owner 
that actually has skin in the game. Let's say you've got five years in the hell. Let's say you've got 10 years in the industry. And as you've said, we'll take a look at a company like at one point in time, it was it, the tech support fell way off for Aloha. And it was even rumored that that entire, that entire point of sale system was going to be shelved. Then there was some life breathed back into it after it was sold. But a lot of people have had issues, you know, same thing with Pinnacle. So what do you, as an ISO, what are you going to tell merchants that have had these problems? Say, okay, this is how we fix this issue for you the next time around. So we're not dealing with these mistakes. It's, it's having, it's having somebody who's had to, to, to stumble around and, and deal with the, the garbage. And, uh, you know, and, and I tell people this all the time, just because, you know, so-and-so, you know, is, is having a tough time with this software and, and this point of sale system. A lot of the times it's just lack of support. You know, like most point of sale system companies kind of operate in the same in terms of how they, you know, the, the, the system functions. Right. You know, there, there are major differences between each company, but just as a whole, um, you know, you can really, if you have the right, you know, independent sales operator setting you up, if they're good at what they do, then they could pretty much make any system work for you. I mean, not, not any system, but I mean, you know, they can, to a point, they can get you to where you're, you're, you're operable. Right. And in relation to that, when you're talking about picking up an ISO, I guess one of the first things that you need to look at is how much experience that individual actually has in the restaurant industry. Because one of the things that we have come in contact with quite often down here with people that represent themselves as ISOs are people that may have a bleak and stunningly limited understanding of payment processing, but they have never entered a restaurant ticket in their life. Yes. No, and actually most of the people that you'll talk to who are on the other end of the line when you're needing support have never been on that side of the phone where you've got, you know, a bunch of angry customers who are ready to go, but you can't cash them out because your system crashed. Right. Um, you know, and you're You've got some tech support guy on the phone who's who is bottom tier because all the guys who are top tier get to go home at five o'clock. <laughs> so, and that's another thing, I guess, that you would say. You know, dealing with it from an ISO standpoint, comparison, comparison, comparison. If they know what they're doing, you should be able to look at them and say, "Okay, this is my present my payment processing statement. What are you going to save me, and what are you going to do for me that well, they're not?" That goes back to your original question for uh, you know existing merchants. Um, it, you get you get the opportunity to leverage what you're doing. Um, so you've got you have you can pull out a processing statement and say, okay, I need you to beat it by this amount, this amount, right? For to make sense for me to to spend the money and the time and the heartache and the effort to to make this switch, right? And you know if that's when it, it gets into that area, you want you don't want to deal with a brand new ISO because. Their eighty twenty split can't get you any any sort of savings. Right, they don't. They haven't done the volume right. to get you right. savings. Yeah, so it, it it works both ways. You know, the the more volume that we have, the better price that we get from the payment processor, and then we get to trickle that down to the merchant. If you so choose. But right. one of the yeah. things that we do here at RL Technologies is we ensure that we're paying more attention to our customers than any given product or service that we deal with. Well, our concern is for them. It's just, it's gotten so ridiculous if in terms of, you know, operating costs for restaurants. And we've seen the payment processing industry just explode in terms of, I mean, Visa MasterCard is one of the most profitable companies on the face of this earth. Yeah, and here we are looking at you know adding this new program called cash discounting and you know uh, c- cash uh, non cash adjustments. 
um, what that what that's done is is literally doubled the amount of payments that are being pushed to the payment processors, right? And even to people like us. But what we're doing to you know to to kind of give back to the to the merchants is you know in, in instances where it's feasible and where we can based on your volume. Uh, you know, we'll give you a kickback on our residuals. And it's something that they have to pay attention to even from a technological standpoint. We have, you know, we have customers down here in Pensacola where they're talking about the ability to continue to use their systems into the foreseeable future. And then we go in and we do a network evaluation and I'm telling them, look, the terminals that you're using are using I3 processors and the bioflash that was performed on those processors was from 2012. And the next time they do an update, your terminal's not going to work because the software is just too heavy. It's something that they also need to consider in relation to that. Your lifespan on these types of systems is just like a laptop. You got five to seven years, maybe. Yeah, and, and that's a tough pill for merchants to swallow. It is. Especially it is. when you go to, like, for merchants who have been around for 10 or 20 years, and when they spend something like ten or $20,000 on a piece of kitchen equipment, it's going to last them. How many, know, another how many Pinnacle servers have you and I seen over the course of the last year that are just sitting gathering dust, and you know oh, the true. merchant hopes that they're yeah. going to somehow oh, be able to plug uh, it in again? One specifically, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's nothing to – just like this, this company we're talking to out in, um, in Mobile. Uh, that has seven locations. Uh, they, we were just joking around, and she said, "Well, what's the buyback program on this this hardware that's 15 years old?" Yeah, you know, and then <laughs> we had a good laugh about it, and yeah. then you know we we can't use it uh, anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, we, ma'am. Yeah, we, we give them a, like a brief <laughs> explanation as to to why, and you know it's not because we're trying to you know to sell you more hardware. Yeah, Roger you are, in some way. Yeah. The, the little bit of markup that we do put on our hardware, it's because we're buying you extra, you know, extra terminals and stuff to put away. So whenever you do break something, you know, you've got one to pull it out of the, out of the closet. Right. Johnny on the spot. That was a gift <laughs> from us, you know. <laughs> so and one of the things that, that we'll also talk to here in the in the end analysis before we, we uh, fade out today is that as an ISO, one of the things that we have to be so careful of that you and I have talked about on so many occasions is managing the expectations not only of the first-time owner, but also of the skin-in-the-game owner that wants something, and they give you this description, and they're like, I want the system to do all of these things, and you realize that it's a magic carpet ride. It's like, okay, I appreciate your need for customization. I appreciate your need for this to be scalable, but because of certain elements that you want, that system out there just doesn't exist. Well, yeah, and we're, we're in a weird weird transition right now, um, and it's it's just tough for business owners to, to understand that, that aspect of things. Uh, and it's, uh, it's becoming more and more difficult for us to, to, to kind of get in their head that, you know, hey, you, you really need to pick a company that's, that's got product development in mind. Yes, and next, that's hard. In the next five to ten years, you know, the, the technology's already there. It's just a manner, a matter of standardization when it comes down to robotics, to something as simple as a you know a device that takes the the food from the kitchen to the table. Right. You know, there goes one server job right there, but that's a whole other level of integration that the business owner has to worry about, and then that the point of sale system company has to be able to handle. Eventually, right. You know, yeah. And at that point, you know, you're you're not hiring servers, you're hiring you know IT managers, technicians, and right, technicians engineers, and engineers to just to make sure that you know your your product is, is working. Now, the, I think. Hopefully, as long as the, you know, the the, the inflation kind of slows down a little bit, then uh, you know, hopefully those restaurant owners will start to see more profit in the future. 
But until then, they're going to have to look at slashing every nickel, dime, and penny that they're losing, which so much of it has to do with either labor or what they're paying for products and what they're losing in well, product. And it's so, it's such a fragile environment. You've got so many different uh, things that you have to worry about in terms of cost that can that can inflate things from one month to another. You look at uh, you know Mexican restaurants when there's a bad crop of avocados. Right. Boom. I mean, I've seen, I personally, because I've worked with the wholesale produce side of things, working with grocery stores and restaurants and schools and military operations, because, you know, we've got a huge military base down here, um, you know, the price of avocados can jump 20 bucks a case. Right. And, and I've seen it happen in a matter of days. And then you're talking about percentages that quite literally are unmanageable yeah. at that point. You're just, it's just an expenditure. And then you're not going to recover it. And it gets even scarier it. than that. If you get a product that's that, that you know, volatile, um, if you can't get it, then you at know, all, then yeah. You, then you got to change your entire, you know, not your entire, but like whatever part of your menu that you were using that for. If it's not something that you can substitute, then you're like you're having to, you know, to change part of your operation. But that's one thing that it's tough to get business owners to understand and to, to be comfortable with is the fact that you know moving in a new point of sale system company or more, you know, new technology is going to require some operational change. Right. So it, you know, it's it's not just like okay, we're going to put this new point of sale system in, system in here. It's okay, we have to put this piece of technology in here, figure out what its capabilities are in this type of environment and setting and operation, and figure out how to make it work. And then if not, figure out how to make your operation work around it. Right, and that's one of the benefits that you've told me, and that I've seen personally. You know, going to work with you on this, that the ISO actually helps with the saying, look. You don't want to deploy something where you're you're you know hunting down all of the problematic issues. We have dealt with this system, so we know what its scale is. We know that there are systems that are out there where if you've got two or three terminals, great. This is what you want. It's simple. It's easy. You're going to get base reports. You batch every night. You're done. All you know. We you've actually been told this. All my employees need to do is be able to read and push a button. And that's their level of concern. But then you've got, like we have down here in Pensacola, where you have a bar that's got 30 terminals and the the servers, every element of their time is what really is at stake. And so in that particular instant, we moved to a new reader just because the card reader was saving 1.2 seconds per transaction. Yeah, no, it, it actually comes down to how many how many buttons can I put on one screen? Right. Especially when you've got 60 types. How of, fast does it navigate to the next right. user interface? When you have right. 60 different types of vodka, yeah. for instance, you know, trying to put all those on one page and, you know, if if you can't, if you if you're working off of a real small handheld, um, then you can only fit 15 items per 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 page. And then you've got your guy, you know, with the six inches from his face, swiping through seven pages to find this specific vodka. And then he's got to go through and put all, like, whatever modifiers that he's going right. to add to that, or she. Yeah. But Right. You know, is it a screwdriver? Is it vodka? Is it a base? Is, right. you know, is are you it, dealing is with it, whiskeys? Is it and it's double? a bourbon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... You know, these are some of the other things that, that we are going to continue to talk about with the uh, RL Technologies Business Time podcast. You can find us on the web at www.rltechfl.com. We also have our Instagram account and our Facebook account that you can navigate to on our website. And Ralph is going to hand out yeah, our, that Facebook. Our Facebook is actually facebook.com forward slash rltechnologies180. 
And we are looking for questions from you folks all the time. You can reach us also at info at rltechfl.com. And if you have questions that we can help you with, if you have questions and or topic ideas for future podcasts where you'd like to see us do a deep dive into something that you have questions about, don't hesitate to message us on Facebook or send us an email at the info at rltechfl.com email. And we would be happy to integrate those into everything that we're doing because one of the primary purposes of business time with Ralph and Mike is to help educate our customer base so that they have a better idea of what they need to do, which helps us. If they know what question to ask, we know how to answer it. So that will be it for today's podcast. I am Mike. I'm Ralph. And we have enjoyed talking to you here on Business Time. It's business time. It's business time. It's business time.